And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to speak about wisdom. You know, my husband was joking about he wasn't qualified and, and about the wise woman. But it, it is interesting that in, in um, literature throughout the ages, even in the Bible, wisdom is referred to as a female. She's crying out in the street, asking you know, people to pay attention to her words. Even ancient Greek, Greek literature, you had the oracle who was a female. And oracles are known for giving out wisdom. Uh, and, and so it's kind of it's fun to be a, a female here speaking about wisdom. Even, even modern, The Matrix, if you all like that movie, the oracle was a woman, and she was a wise old woman, or even in superhero lore, I hear there's, I'm not very familiar with that, but if you're into superheroes, apparently the oracle is also a female, so apparently, ladies, it's okay for us to be wise and to share that with the world, so go ladies. <laughs> you know, Life Church, um, one of our vision statements that, that we say about ourselves is we exist to move people who are far from God toward their highest potential as Christ followers. That's why we, we that's why exist, why we were here. We are not a church that says, just come as you are and stay as you are. We want you to come exactly like you are. But we believe that you should be moving towards your highest potential. And that's one of the things we really value highly because we believe that all of us have the room to grow and the room to change and, and room to become a better person. And, and, and you know, um, this series, my husband was alluding to, we've been talking to uh, about the book of James, and this series has been a pretty intensive let's grow up kind of series. It's not just a, just a series that says, okay, just, just come and, and we'll all have a moment where we all just say we love you, we love you, we love you. But it says, if you love me and if you love one another, these are the things that you're going to do to grow up. And so this morning we're going to be talking about wisdom from above. And it's very much what the Apostle Paul, when he was writing in the scriptures, talks about when you were babies, we gave you the milk of the word. But now that you're growing up, we're going to give you the meat because we feel like you can handle it. Just like we've got some babies. We've got, got beautiful Caleb uh, back there, and he's still drinking milk, and that's all that's appropriate for him. But eventually, Caleb's going to grow up a little bit, and he's going to need some meat. He's going to need some protein. And so what I would say about these lessons from the book of James is they're, they're heavy-duty meat. They're protein. They're, they're how to live. And so, and so I, love the, I, love the, I love the phrasings um, that are coming about sometimes through our social media, and there's a new phrase that I came across that, that talks about growing up and it's called adulting. Have you heard about that? Adulting. It's about growing up. It's about doing those painful and difficult things that, that come with growing up. And I think it's a funny phrase and I've seen some funny memes and you see one of them up there on the screen. That horrifying moment when you're looking for an adult but you realize that you're an adult. So you look around for an older adult and an adultier adult, someone with better adulting than you. There's those moments when you feel like, oh my, this growing up stuff can be hard to do. There's a meme that I found out, I can't adult today, please don't make me adult. <laughs> I think even some of you who are in my age range and above can understand that adulting does get hard sometimes. And I've, I've got three young adults in my, in my family right now that are learning about the joys of adulting. And it's not always easy. I like this last one. Dear universe, I missed how to be an adult 101 classes. Send help and my mom and why? <laughs> yes, I read that one quietly. <laughs> but sometimes it's hard to want to grow up. But this, this scripture that we have today and that we've had the past few weeks is very much an adulting. It's very much a growing up. This is how you should live. This is how you should treat one another. And so it's a challenging word. And I'd like to read to you today. From James 3, chapters 13 and 18, through 18, sorry. 
James 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. There's our key word for the day, from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, quote, wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Wow. That's some powerful, meaty kind of stuff that we can dig into this morning about the concept of wisdom and how we can grow up in him. And, and, you know, I do think, though, that there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And oftentimes we get really confused about what the difference is between knowledge and wisdom. And so I I just want to take a pause in just a moment. This is not in the notes in your bulletin. And I hope that you'll open up those notes and take some notes today because they can give you something to think about later on. But, but when we're talking about knowledge versus wisdom, I want to kind of identify the terms because I think it's really important to how we perceive this wisdom matter. Knowledge is defined as facts, information, and skills acquired by a person through experience, education, theoretical, or practical understanding of a subject. Knowledge is facts. It's learning stuff. It's knowing stuff. Knowledge is an important thing to have. It's a valuable thing to have. And I'm just amazed. I've talked to so many of you, and I've even commented to so many of you out loud, we have a lot of really smart people who come to Life Church. I mean, there's a lot of smart... And sometimes I'm in a casual conversation, and you're just spouting off facts and figures to me about all kind of array of things. I'm thinking, wow, these people are really smart. They really know a lot. And I, I got to looking around for some information on knowledge right now because it's well known that knowledge is really, really exploding. And, and, and I just picked up some quick facts here from a blog. I, don't, I can't verify that they're true, but this blogger did a lot of research, and she seemed to think that this was interesting fact to share. Knowledge doubled from 100 B.C., that's before the time of Christ, to 1700. So in 1800 years, knowledge doubled. It doubled from 1700 to 1900. So in 200 years, it doubled again. Knowledge doubled from 1900 to 1950 in 50 years. It doubled from 1950 to 1970 in 20 years. It doubled from 1970 to 1980. 10 years, it doubled from 1980 to 1988 in 8 years. It now doubles every 12 months, and soon it will double every 12 hours. We're learning a lot as a human race. We're growing quickly. And, and if you notice my slide here, it's a little cluttered, and I begin to speak faster and faster when we're doing that. And I did that on purpose because what it feels like to me is we've got a lot of knowledge to the point that it clutters our mind and it clutters our lives and it clutters the airwaves. And knowledge is a good thing, but it's a big, cluttery thing because it is growing so fast. In fact, I found some other information on knowledge. Knowledge online doubles. Uh, Online information doubles every six months. Biological information doubles every 18 months. Corporate information doubles every 18 months. Genetic information doubles every 18 months. Technical knowledge doubles every 18 months. And clinical knowledge doubles every 18 months. We are 
vastly learning and vastly growing in the area of knowledge. And you know, I love knowledge. Those of you who know me well and hang out with me outside of the church will know that I'll often check out of a conversation for a few minutes because someone will ask a question and I'll have to go to my phone real quickly and I'll have to Google the answer because I love to know what the answers to our questions are and not let them hang out there. I love knowledge. I love that right here at my fingertips I can pick up my phone and I can go onto my app and I can learn about something new that I didn't know about. Knowledge is a fun thing. You know, I have a sister that, that um, gave an interesting prayer request to our family. I'm family text. We love to text by family. And, and she said, pray for me. I'm going for eye surgery today. My sister's younger than I am. She's 45 years old. Gives you a clue of how old I am. Uh, she's younger than I am. She's 45 years old. And she said, I'm going for cataract surgery. Now, at 45 years old, you don't usually associate that with cataract surgery. That's usually something that you get as you age or you have particular eye diseases. And usually the age of 45 is not quite old enough to get cataract disease. But what her doctor told her was that we are using our phones and our computers so much that it is stressing our eyes so much as we're gaining all of this knowledge that they're finding that people are getting cataracts younger and younger. We're growing in knowledge. We're hungry for knowledge. We're looking at our phone. We're looking at our text all the time because we're wanting to gain knowledge. Wow, it's even affecting our bodies, um, the, the way that we're, we're moving so quickly. And knowledge is a compilation of facts, but a lot of times, as I said a moment ago, we confuse knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom, if we're going to define it according to some of the biblical uh, theological writers, wisdom and the wise apply to men and women who represent a way of thinking and conduct that is orderly, socially sensitive, and morally upright. Wisdom is a way of life. It's not a compilation of facts. It's not how much you know about the latest genome project. It's not how much you know about the latest biological things that are happening or things that are happening on the computer. It's a way of life. And what I would propose to us today and, and, and why I think it's so important is because knowledge is good. It's awesome. I love it. Me and my Google are best buddies. Knowledge is good, but it can't tell you how to live. Wisdom tells you how to live. And this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, 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 you know, I hate to tell you, but, you know, we're used to things at our fingertips and all of this knowledge doubling 18, every 18 months and every 12 hours, there's so much more new information. But there's no fast track to becoming a wise person. There is absolutely no fast track. And, and what I would say is kind of a little aside on that. We often want wisdom on a situation. A lot of times in Christian terms, a lot of Christians will say to each other, pray for me, I need wisdom in this area. And that's a cool thing. I think it's really important that we pray for wisdom. And I think it's a very valuable thing. But wisdom and becoming a wise person are sometimes two different things. Sometimes we want to just look at wisdom as a crystal ball where we kind of go and say, okay, God, show me the right thing. Should I take this job? Should I move here? Should I do this? Should I do that? I'm not downing that. That's a really important thing. And, and we need that kind of wisdom. But, but I would really challenge us today to think about the process of becoming a wise person, not just seeking those momentary interventions where we need to have a better understanding of a situation, but becoming the kind of person who follows after God and is wise. And the decisions that you make come out of that wisdom and that relationship that God has grown you in. When I say that there is no fast track to wisdom, 
that really has a strong scriptural basis. In fact, if you were here a few weeks ago when we were studying James 1, we're going to go back to a scripture there. It says, consider it pure joy. This is James 1, verse 2. I think it should be on the screen. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. The reason that I emphasize in in orange the two words lacking is because I've heard these scriptures a whole lot over my life. I've heard about the perseverance, and I've heard about if any of you lacks wisdom, but I didn't really strike my mind until I read it this week that those two are actually connected. That if you're you, you want to be mature and complete and not lacking, if you're lacking wisdom, wisdom goes along with that previous thing. It's not like a separate idea or a separate concept because when you're praying for lacking wisdom, you're trying to get that. And, and, and it's interesting when I say that there's no shortcut, basically what I say is according to this scripture, you've got trials, you've got the testing of your faith, you've got perseverance, which is a really old word that means just stick to it, stick to it, stick to it, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Sorry, I ran out of breath. So trials, testing of faith, perseverance, mature, complete, and then at the end comes wisdom. And the Bible encourages us to pray for wisdom, but the only way that it happens, so if you lack wisdom, go ahead and pray for it. God will give it to you, but refer to the top. You're going to get trials and testing of your faith and perseverance and mature and complete and then wisdom because there's no fast track to wisdom. It comes through going through life. It comes through uh, persevering and making it through things and knowing that you will not be knocked down because you have made it through stuff. I encourage you to take the journey, though, because it's so well worth it. I want to I preach to you briefly about what's, what's earthly wisdom, what's godly wisdom, and how can I get this godly wisdom. If you buy into the fact that it's important, how can I get it? And I'm just going to go over some really deep things very quickly because of, because of time today, but I think it's important stuff, and that's why I'm hoping that we're taking notes so that we can take it home and we can chew on it. You know, there, there is such a thing as worldly wisdom or earthly wisdom. The scripture that we read at the very beginning says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts and do not boast about it, do not boast about it or deny the truth, such wisdom does not come from heaven. There is an earthly wisdom, and I think it's really tempting in our world to fall into the earthly wisdom, but let, let, let's go over what is earthly wisdom and what does the scripture say about it and, and, and what does the scripture say are some of the dangers of only relying on earthly wisdom. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Earthly wisdom is something that it, it appears to be right. It makes a lot of sense on some levels, but it's not going to lead you where you want to go. I don't know about you, but I'm really intrigued by this idea of life, and I'm really intrigued of this idea of eternal life. I really, really want to do that, and I want to do it in a place with God where things are happy and wonderful forever. But if I don't find that godly wisdom, I'm not going to get where I want to go. You know, many years ago, before I was even born, way back in the dark ages, there was a song that was immortalized by Frank Sinatra called I Did It My Way. And I know it's a really old song, but I guarantee you guys, if you ever go to a karaoke, somebody's going to get up there sometime in the evening and sing, I did it my way. Because even though it's older than my grandpa, people love to sing it because it's such a popular theme. I did it my way. You have your truth and I have my truth. 
What the scripture says is this worldly wisdom, this earth's wisdom, it leads to death. And so the first fill in the blank there on your, on your notes there, it is worldly. It is worldly. It's full of me. It's full of what's best for me. James calls earthly wisdom, it has selfish ambition. It has bitter envy. It has... And yet there is a sense in which even we as Christians, even we as seasoned Christians here, um, that many of you are here today, we live in a culture that has become that we are evolved. Biblical notions and teachings are seeming old-fashioned. Maybe not so much for today. We know better than the Bible wisdom. That was for the old days. We base our life based on scientific fact that we can touch and we can feel and we can measure versus godly wisdom. I'm not against science. I think I clarified that, but I'll clarify it again. I'm not against all of those things. Those are things that are wonderful. God told us to, to know our earth, to, to, to conquer our earth, and, and, and to multiply it and to take care of it. That was one of the very earliest instructions. And I think as we engage in science, we're doing all those, those instructions from God. But sometimes we like, to, we like to think of our own knowledge as so much better. That was for them a few thousand years ago, but it's not for us today because we're more involved. We understand more than they did back there. And I think it's a danger that we can all fall into because we're inundated by things from all around, all around our culture. We had a period of a few hundred year, couple of hundred years ago called the Enlightenment where we began to really idolize our mind. And, and you know, even in the earliest scriptures, in the very beginning of the Bible, the original temptation was for Eve to eat the fruit. And what, and what the tempter said to Eve was, eat this so that you will be knowledgeable and that you will be like God. It's worldly. That's the earliest temptation for us, is to be knowledgeable so that we can think we are like God. And we like to make God into our own image. It's a form of idolatry. You know, in, in our world, we're so evolved that we think, man, why would people in the old days take stones and make gods out of it or, or, or take little pieces of a brick or wood and carve it and make stones out of it? Idolatry. Oh, we're so much more involved, evolved than that. But really, we like to make of whatever we think he is and whatever we think God should be. If, if we're all about love, God is all love. If we're all about judgment, God is all judgment. And if we're all about money, God is about us getting more money. Whatever we are, we tend to make God in our own image. And I would propose to you today from the scripture that that is a worldly idea. That is a worldly idea. The scripture cautions us in 1 Corinthians 1.20. Where's a wise person? Where's the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? I told you this is kind of meaty, adulting kind of stuff, didn't I? It's, it's, it's stuff that really kind of gets in your life and messes around a little bit and, and, and tries to stir things up so that you can make a difference. Wisdom of the world, according to the scripture, is sensual. It is sensual. Whatever we feel, we should follow. Now, again, for some reason, old songs are on the mind. But I remember an anthem. There's some great anthems of this generation today, some things that define it. But one of the anthems of my day was Debbie Boone singing, You Light Up My Life. It was an amazing song. It was touching. It was deep. It was wonderful. I'll never forget, as a young grade schooler, as I was beginning to discover my life and my emotions, looking in the mirror with my hairbrush microphone singing, 
It can't be wrong when it feels so right. Because you, you light up my life. It was an important song for us. Because if it feels good, it must be good. And to my 11 and 12-year-old mind, I knew that if it can't be wrong, it, fe- it can't be wrong if it feels so right. My parents had taught me differently. The Bible taught me differently. But the temptation of the world says to get your hairbrush microphone out and saying it can't be wrong if it feels so right. Because you light up my life. And there's a lot of controversy today because... People are feeling all different kinds of way, and if I feel this way, I must be this way, and, and what it looks like on the outside may not be true because I feel this way, and, and I think I'll change my whole life and my whole world based on what I feel today. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. Earthly wisdom is sensual. It's based on our feelings. We're even starting to create laws and regulations based on treating people and how they're feeling today. I'm not against feeling, but feelings can be fleeting. Those of you who have had a moment or two in life know that you probably don't feel the same way today as you did when you were five, and you don't feel the same way as you did when you were 19, and I certainly don't feel the same way as I did when I was 25 or 35 or even 45 because things change. Titus 3, verses 3 through 5 says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. The Bible indicates that we can be enslaved by our feelings. And and I don't want to just put down feelings. Like knowledge, feelings are a good thing. My training, the thing that I do in my my weekly life, one of my trainings is being a counselor. And what's our famous counselor saying that everybody likes to joke about? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? I I think that's a great phrase. I think it's an important phrase, and our feelings and our knowledge are so important. But I would caution us, in spite of the fact that exploring our feelings is important and it's a very important part of what God gave to us, I would caution us that our feelings need to be informed by godly wisdom. It's not just how I feel today, but inform it with godly wisdom. It's not just what I learned in my latest Google search, but inform it with godly wisdom. Now, now, now this next one is a tough one, but it says it real clearly in the scripture, so I can't ignore it. Earthly wisdom is demonic. Wow. That kind of stings a little bit. It's a potent phrase, and it really assaults our modern sensibilities. You know, we like the concept of the demonic when we're doing these fantasy, epic, apocalyptic movies and books, and, you know, it sounds really, uh, really big and scary and makes for a great big screen presentation as we're watching all of these things. They have the demonic and the evil in it, and it's like, woo, thank God that's not true. I'm glad we're out of that movie now that I'm not, so I can't have to be scared like that. In real life, the demonic is hard to swallow, but the scripture that we read at the very beginning indicates that, in fact, John 8, 44 adds to it just a little bit more. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. It says that if you're following earthly wisdom, you are of your father, the devil, and it is your will to practice the lust and gratifying the desires which are characteristic of your father. When he speaks of falsehood, he speaks what is natural to him, for he is a liar and the father of lies and all that is false. The demonic things that come about if you're only following earthly wisdom is the lust and just trying to gratify my own desires and the lying that comes from Satan. 
It's all of those things. And it's sobering. But I think in this day and age, it's important to say it out loud. Even though it assaults our ears in such a way, and it just, it doesn't, in this, we just want to say, la, 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 love, 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 God is love, and he is. No doubt, the Bible says that very clearly. But there is also an opposite of God, and it's the demonic, and it will lead you to a path of death, according to the scripture. So what is God's wisdom? What is God's wisdom all about, and why would we want to pursue it? Because as you said at the very beginning, Melanie, it's, it, James 1 says it can be a little hard because it can come through trials and temptation and that perseverance, perseverance, keep it up, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. That doesn't sound like any fun. Why in the world should we even want to pursue God's wisdom? Proverbs 4, verse 7, this is chock full of scriptures and those are all written on your note guide as well so you can go back and peruse these later. But Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, Get understanding. It's really, really important. In the Bible, wisdom and understanding are often used right by each other like in the scripture or almost interchangeably because it's a deeper understanding. It's an understanding of his thoughts and his ways. And, 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 you know, there are times when I find myself so confused and, God, why is it this way? And I don't get it and it doesn't make sense to me and I don't understand. And I get so frustrated. And I go back to the scripture that I had to memorize as a child as part of my, part of my training and it's, it's one that comes to my mind so many times because I need it so often because I'm a, I'm a thinking person. I like to know. I like to get it. I like to feel like I'm in control of things. And, and the scripture says, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And his ways are higher than our ways. There are just some things that our brains are too small to get. And for me, who likes to consider myself a person who likes to think and who likes to understand and who considers myself to have some level of ability to do so in a decent fashion, it's hard for me to acknowledge that his ways are bigger than mine. His thoughts are way bigger than mine. And I may not get it all, but you know, often as I live life, one of the things I found out is it makes more sense in retrospect because I understood that God was at work and he was doing things I did not even realize he was doing. Wisdom and understanding. You know, for wisdom from above, another way that I would term it is a Christian or a biblical worldview. A Christian or a biblical worldview. And I think it's really important because if you, if you adopt this wisdom from above or this Christian or biblical worldview, what you're saying is these are the glasses that I'm going to look at the world through. The glasses, the lenses that I'm going to look at the world through is let me look at it through the concept of God's wisdom. Don't let me just look at the answer from a book or from how I feel today, but let me look at God's wisdom. It's a biblical worldview, and I think that's so important because it's so easy to lose that because we are so inundated with information here, there, and everywhere, and it's all over the place. And it's hard to remember that the first glasses we should have when we read things is the wisdom from above. It's the biblical worldview. It's the knowledge. Those should be the lenses that help us judge what is right and what is not right. It helps us learn how to treat other people. That it's the ultimate authority on how to live. It's not just a dated and old-fashioned way of looking at things. The Bible says it is worth everything. Whatever you have, pursue it. It springs up from godly principles is the next fill in there. Godly wisdom, uh, or wisdom from above springs from godly principles. 1 John 3 verse 3 says, All who have this hope in him purify themselves 
just as he is pure. The Bible is trying to help you find a way to be pure, to be connected to God, to be connected to one another, to have a wonderful life. It's not meant to keep you from things. It's to help you to have a better life. Because God loved you. Those of you who are parents know that you love your kids. You would give up a whole lot to make sure that your kids are safe and that kids are well-fed and that your kids are cared for. And the Bible said God loves you so much more than even you love your kids that your love for your kids is almost like hate compared to how much God loves you. I mean, God's love is that big. And he wants what's best for you. And he wants purity in your life and pure motives. He loves you that much. And that's what his wisdom is all about. Wisdom from above acts with godly motives. Godly motives. Philippians 2, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. I love this. This, this, this really got a hold of me in my mind and my spirit this week. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And you know, it, it pains my heart as I, as I read through stuff and I, I, I read through social media and I talk to people and people are in a whole lot of pain right now. People are really, really hurting. And when we're really hurting, sometimes we get defensive and sometimes we get angry and we start asserting ourselves so that we won't get hurt anymore. And I was thinking about that as I read this scripture because I wonder what it would be like to be a part of a church, and I believe that we're on this path, but to be a part of a church that's growing and live and interesting, where it's not blue lives matter or green lives matter, or violent, uh, violet lives matter, or rainbow lives matter, or Natalie could say Ukrainian lives matter more. Ben and Judy could say Indian lives matter more. Polish lives matter more. You know, Pete. Mexican lives matter more. Single moms, veterans, Chinese, adopted lives matter more. We all have our little phrase that things matter more. Middle-aged moms, lives matter more. But what if we were part of a group of people, a group of Christians that says, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And I would go up to you and say, Autumn, I know my needs are important, but your life matters more. And I'm going to look out for your needs. Because you're important. What if I said, you on the back row sitting very quietly... Your life matters a whole lot, and I care about you. And even though you're on the back row, I notice you, and you're most important. No matter what country you come from, no matter what your ethnic background is, no matter what your economic status is, it's not my life matters more, but it's your life matters more. And what would this world be like? How much would it change our conversation? How much would it change our social media post if we said, Nikki, your life matters more. What can I do to serve you today? I love these orange t-shirts that I see all over the place because it's called Serve Team. And at Life Church, one of the things that we say is when you accept a, a volunteer position at our church, we call that our orange team. When you accept a position at this church, 
you're take, accepting a position to serve so that if you're a hospitality person, you are a servant hospitality person. If you are on the sound booth, you are a servant sound technician. If you are cleaning the halls, you are a servant cleaning the halls. If you are on the music team, you're a music, uh, servant musician because we're all here to serve one another. That's what godly wisdom is about. Godly wisdom is about your life matters. And I'm going to put aside my needs today to serve you because you matter. And my heart in today's contentious society just says, wow, I want some godly wisdom in my life. I want that wisdom from above that says, each of you look to the interests of the other. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus is the end of that passage. And Christ said, my life is not so, Jesus, when he was on earth, he said, my life is not so important. Your life is important. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give my life for you. And that's what Jesus did when he came to the earth and he died on the cross. He said, I'm giving my life for you because your life matters. Wow. That wisdom from above is powerful stuff. It's intent on serving godly purposes. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Wisdom builds bridges. It doesn't burn them. Godly wisdom is a powerful thing. Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's one of the things I loved about Serve Day. It was an opportunity to let our light shine because we weren't asking for anything. We weren't accepting money. We were just out there saying, Hey, be you matter. That's what the card said for everybody. You matter. And that was an important thing to let our light shine in that way. And, and we heard stories of people saying, uh, folks stopped by and they asked me for prayer. Somebody stopped by and they were crying because they had just gotten into an argument um, with, a, with a, a loved one and, and they needed help and they needed a ride and they got a ride. Ruth Ann called me and she was really excited yesterday because they had taken some of the last of our sodas down to the fire station downtown. And they said, oh, you must be Life Church. We heard that you all were out today taking water to, uh, and sodas to the fire stations. Thank you so much. They, were, they had heard about us from somebody somewhere before we had even gotten to their front door. Wow. It was an opportunity not to glorify Life Church, but to glorify our Father in heaven. Somebody came by one of our stations and, said, and gave them a thumbs up sign and said, you're doing God's work today. That's what God's work is all about. It's about letting our light shine that they may glorify the Father in heaven. Thanks to you all who participated, whether you came early to help prep, whether you donated stuff, whether you said prayers, whether you were out on the street giving out things. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Godly wisdom lets our life shine, light shine before men. Psalms 111.10 says, how can, a man be, how can men be wise? The only way is by giving reverence to God. As we talked about earlier, knowledge, it comes from education. It comes from knowing things. Knowledge comes from education. But real wisdom, true wisdom, the kind that lasts eternally, the kind that will take you to heaven, it comes from God. Colossians 2, verses 2 through 3 says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I think the last thing I'd like to say about wisdom, this has been a lot of information, 
Sometimes giving out this much information at once can be like, like, like drinking uh, water from a fire hydrant. There's a lot of stuff that you can dig into, and there's even more stuff on wisdom that we can drink into, and it's like getting your mouth up to that fire hydrant. It's just gushing all at once. So there's a lot that you can contemplate here. But I, I guess I would like to say in, in, my, in my closing um, conversation with you is that the best way to get wisdom is just by hanging out with God. By hanging out with God. And I would encourage you, if you have never given your life to, to Jesus and say, God, you know, I, I, I want you to be in control of my life. I want you to be in charge of my life. I give it all to you. I don't have the right kind of wisdom, but I know that you do, and I don't understand it all yet, but I trust that you do. And I want to give my life to you. I would encourage you to do that today. I would encourage you to go from being just a casual acquaintance to I've heard about Jesus, I've thought about him, he seems to be um, a really great person, to I'm all in. I want to be yours. Not because I understand it all, but because I trust that you understand it. I'd encourage you to do that. And if you have become a Christian, if you have become, crossed that line to say, God, I'm all yours, I'm all in. I would encourage you, that it was, at the very beginning we talked about our vision statement being um, helping people to grow to their highest potential. Giving your life to Jesus is not the end game. It's the beginning step. And we're trying to try to get to be more and more like Jesus. We're trying to help people reach their highest potential. That's the goal of our congregation. And so I encourage you, even if you've crossed that line of faith, that's not a stopping point. That's a starting point. I would encourage you to hang out with God. How can I do that? It's the maker of the universe. How, how can I do that? Simple ways you can do that. You can read your Bible because that's God's word. It's got the godly wisdom of the ages. Take time to pray. Prayer is not really difficult. It's a conversation with God. You can, you can have it. Oh God, thou art holy and thou art mighty and thou art the greatest um, uh, omniscient one. If that's how you pray, that's fine. But if you don't normally say that in your daily talking, that's okay too. You can say, hey God, having a tough day today. I could sure use some help. Help me to be more like you. Help me to have a better day than I did yesterday. Help me to be nicer to my husband or to my wife or to my kids or to my co-workers or to my fellow students at school. You can just talk to God like that because that's what prayer is all about. I encourage you if you want to hang out with God just to listen. Sometimes we talk so much we don't take time just to be quiet and to listen. Because sometimes as we're quiet, thoughts creep into our hearts and to our mind that didn't come from us but they came from God and they nudge us with a little wisdom help us to go the right path and to follow him better another way to hang out with God is listening to Christian music and podcasts understanding more about him focusing on him it really changes our heart and our, changes our mind and, and changes the channels of how we do things You know, coming up at the beginning of August you'll see some more information about this in your worship guides um, there's some information about 21 days of prayer and that's something that we take time to do each August and each January. As we ask everybody, we hope that you pray every day. But if you don't, it's a good habit to start. If you have the habit of praying daily, then we encourage you to expand that habit. And, and, and we want to give you um, the opportunity to, to pray at home every day. And we're going to provide you some prayer guides. And we're going to provide you um, some websites that you can go to if you want to use that to take time for prayer. And, you know, if you're normally used to not praying at all, try praying for a few minutes every day. If you usually pray 5 to 10 minutes a day, try expanding to 15 to 20. If you're a half hour a day prayer, expand it even a little further. But I just encourage you just to take one, one next step 
and praying and talking to God. And as I said, it doesn't have to be difficult. And we're going to give you some guides on that and some, some things in our 21 days of prayer time that we have. We're also going to come together here on Wednesday nights and pray as a group. And we'll have some time of music and devotion and, and, and we'll also some time for prayer. So we're not only asking you to pray at home, but we're asking you to come on Wednesday nights to pray here because hanging out with God is one of the greatest ways to get wisdom. You're going to grow. You're going to change. You're going to become everything. You're going to reach your highest potential as you hang out with God. So I guess I, I'm closing this with three challenges. One, one of the challenges is don't just be a casual acquaintance. Give your life fully and completely to God. And I want to take a moment and pray for that in just a moment. If you have followed Jesus, I encourage you to hang out with him more. Find ways to read his scripture. To pray. To listen. And I'd also encourage you to put it on your calendars. To be involved in our 21 days of prayer at the congregation. I, I don't think you'll be sorry. It's the way to life according to the scripture. <laughs>